Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish Podcast. Sangamo's gene therapy product candidate for Fabry disease shows promise as an alternative to enzyme replacement therapy. I'm Brandy Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish. In this podcast, we talk with Natalie Dubois-Stringfellow, Senior Vice President of Product Development and Management at Sangamo, about Sangamo's work in gene therapy and the latest data on Sangamo's gene therapy product candidate for Fabry disease. Thank you so much for joining us today. Would you be able to introduce yourself and also talk a little bit about your role with Sangamo? Yes, uh, so nice to be with you today, Brandy. I am Natalie Dubois-Stringfellow. My current role at Sangamo is Chief Development Officer. I oversee all of our clinical development program and the portfolio of program in our pipeline. And can you also tell me a little bit more about Sangamo and what is the company's broader pipeline? Absolutely. Sangamo is a genomic medicine company dedicated to translating groundbreaking science into medicine that transformed the life of patients and family afflicted by serious disease. Our technology include gene therapy, genome editing, and cell therapy. Our Dingfinger Nucleus platform allow us to edit genes either by adding genes, deleting genes, repairing mutation, repressing the expression of a gene, or activating it. We can use these approaches according to the biology of the disease we are targeting. As you can see, there is a vast area of technology that we can apply to a vast variety of disease. Through our breakthrough technology, we were the first to edit human genes, treat patients with gene-edited T-cells, treat patients with in vivo genome editing, and treat patients with engineered CAR T-cells. Our current clinical focus is on Fabry disease, a rare genetic disease, hemophilia A, sickle cell disease, and renal transplant. Our expensive research and development engine differentiate us from our cell therapy approach and genome editing and genome engineering, which are focused on autoimmune diseases and neurology. So we have a robust pipeline with a balanced portfolio of partnered, but also wholly owned programs. And our partnerships include five blue chip biopharma that have recognized our potential value of the technology we have and our R&D engine. That sounds great. I was really interested to read about uh, your recently released data around a gene therapy for Fabry disease, ST920. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about ST920, how it works, and how it will help address the unmet need for patients with this disease. Yeah, we're extremely excited about the results we're getting on this phase one, two clinical trial. Fabry disease is an inherited disorder that is caused by mutation of the GLA genes that is making an enzyme called alpha-galactosidose A. And this enzyme normally breaks down a fatty substance called glycosphingolipids. And without this enzyme, this fatty substance builds up in the cells throughout the body, and particularly in the skin, kidneys, heart, and nervous system. This accumulation damages the cells, leading to a various sign and symptoms of Fabry patient. The current standard of care for Fabry is an intravenous infusion of the missing enzyme, the treatment being called enzyme replacement therapy, or ERT. This treatment provides a high concentration of the missing enzyme for a very short time, 
This is why this treatment has to be repeated in those patients every two weeks. It's a very cumbersome infusion that can take several hours that can be done mostly at the hospital, but sometimes at home, but really impacts significantly the life of patients. Our approach is a one-time therapy treatment where the gene for the missing enzyme is delivered to the liver cells of the patient, which are then acting as cell factory for producing the missing enzyme, alpha-galate. Not only this approach can provide a sustained level of enzyme, avoiding peaks and valley of expression that is shown with ERT, but it has the potential to provide the relief for patients that are currently needing to have an infusion every two weeks, which is to learn see and impact people's life. So this could be a one-and-done treatment, and we hope that it minimizes you know, the patient burden. And we're very excited by the, the promising data because we believe that ST920 has the potential to provide an alternative to the current standard of care that will be very significant for the life of patients. That sounds like a significant difference for patient quality of life, too. That's really exciting. Can you elaborate a little bit on what are some of the key trends that you're seeing from the data and why this is so significant? Yes. So the trial, uh, it's a phase one, two trial. It's a dose escalation trial where we carefully monitor safety in ascending, ascending dose cohort in patients until we reach the dose we believe will be safe and the most efficacious. And this has been modeled through our preclinical experiments. The data showed that at this point, we have elevated sustained alpha-gal-A activity, which is the enzyme we are producing now by the liver cells in the patient, in the full nine subject of the dose escalation phase for up to almost two years of follow-up in some patients. Some of the patients were receiving ERT or enzyme replacement therapy when treated with our gene therapy. And since then, four subjects have been withdrawn from ERT and still show sustained elevated alpha-gal activity after ERT withdrawal, indicating that our treatment is able to sustain alpha-gal activity without ERT. Patients with the highest level of lyso-GB3, which is one of the fatty substances that alpha-gal is degrading, uh, so those patients that have high level of this uh, at baseline, decreased by 40 to 55% after our treatment. And we're still early in the trial, but it is an incredibly great indicator that we can make a difference in accumulation of this fatty substance in the patient, freeing the burden of several organs in the patient. Importantly, we see that our drug continue to be generally well-tolerated no patient has been treated with steroid, and we have not seen any related serious adverse event. The dose escalation phase has been completed, so now we know the dose we want to go in the expansion cohort, where we're going to look at more patients at this selected dose to gather more data on the efficacy of our product. We are expanding this also to female patients, uh, which is um, really important. Female patients represent 55% of the Fabry population and have been really underserved until now. So we're really excited to be in this stage of development in the phase one, two, where we are actually decided which dose we want to go after, which dose we think is safe and the most efficacious and expand to more patients. 
You mentioned that patients in the trial were able to successfully go off ERT. How are those patients doing so far? They're doing very well. No patient has resumed ERT therapy at this point. And the resumption of ERT is really at the discretion of each individual investigator. They have a very close relationship with their patient. They have followed their patient for a long time. And it's based on several clinical and biochemical parameters. So none of the principal investigators have felt the need to resume ERT. The patients are doing very well, so we're very encouraged. Of course, we continue to monitor those patients. That's really, really exciting. To go back to what we were talking about before with the promise of gene therapy being a potentially a one-time curative treatment, what does the data tell you so far about the durability of ST920 and its potential to be a one-time treatment? So we're very encouraged. The data presented show elevated sustained alpha-gal-A activity in the full nine subject in the dose escalation phase for almost two years of follow-up. This is a long time, and this is the longest we have had a patient treated. So we are going to continue to monitor this, and we accumulate more data as we go. And we're very encouraged by this data. It, it definitely has the potential to be a one-time treatment. Uh, we have all the indication of this as of now, but time will tell how long this therapy can be expected to work. Well, that's great. I really hope that it works out. I wanted to ask you about the next steps for this therapy. Are you planning additional clinical studies? So we've had productive interaction with the FDA, and we're actively preparing for a potential phase three trial. We will share more information when we can about this externally, but we are preparing all the activity for phase three. The beginning of the phase three trial, which would be the pivotal trial to get approval for Fabry are underway and are not, the start of the phase three is not limited by completing the phase one, two. We think we have a, a body of data sufficient to start the phase three with our interaction with the FDA to be able to start as soon as we can. Well, that's wonderful. You're running a clinical trial for patients with a rare disease during a global pandemic, obviously challenging. Are there key learnings uh, that you'll bring to future trials in terms of recruitment and trial design as a result? Yes, thank you for that question. This has been difficult for everyone in the industry. We're proud to have navigated really this difficult situation during the COVID pandemic in partnership with our principal investigators and their patient. We will always look for the patient safety first and have worked to carefully and safely monitor and continue our clinical trial enrollment during COVID. So the lesson for me is the partnership, good communication, and flexibility to work with the hospital, to work with the PI, the PI to work with their patient is essential. We have a great team at Sangamo that is nimble and was ready when the patient was. That's really great. So important. And I hear that over and over again as I do these interviews, that partnership is just so critical across all different kinds of spectrums of work. So it's, it's great to hear you say that as well. I wanted to ask a few general questions just about the industry in general. What do you hope to see in terms of the future of genomic medicine? I truly believe that genomic medicine have the potential to bring relief and potential cure people that have very limited treatment option or no treatment at all. I've been at Sangamo for 12 years. I've seen the evolution of this field, cell and gene therapy, and very optimistic. We've made a lot of progress. 
Uh, the promise will be realized as the science progress, and we already seen amazing results in this field that are transformative. The potential benefit for the patient is extraordinary, in my opinion. But as any new technology and innovative science, it will take time. What do you see as the most pressing challenges facing the industry today? In my view, the payer landscape is an important challenge that will be addressed in the coming years for genomic medicine. Genomic medicine offer a different treatment paradigm with a potentially once and done treatment compared to traditional medicine, which are given throughout the course of a disease. So our payer environment is, is really not built for this revolution. And we all agree that the benefit for the patient is the most important and solution will have to be found. But there is already a lot of discussion between payers and potential expensive genomic medicine products that um, you have to cover from the get-go. But when you look at the lifelong cost of treatment, this actually is a good way to treat patients that could be economical. But our system is not really built for this one-time cost. So there's going to be opportunity to really define a better payer system and landscape. And I think this is a challenge for the industry. But you would agree with me that the most important thing is the patient. So if we have great treatment, great data, we will have to have to adapt. Yeah, I agree completely. It's clear that the industry isn't uh, set up for this uh, in terms of the insurance industry. Um, but with these kinds of treatments and the success that we're seeing, there's just got to be a solution that's found. And so I'm really encouraged by some of the therapies that have already been approved and are getting payment for those services and things like that. And I hope to see that the system will change to accommodate this because I think we're going to have a lot more in the future successful therapeutics that are one-time or maybe two-time therapies. And so we just need to be able to make a, a space for this kind of treatment. So it's it's exciting. And at the same time, it just shows how much progress we've made as an industry that we have a completely novel therapeutic now. I guess in a, in a weird way, it's kind of a good problem to have, right? A completely novel therapeutic that is a one-time potential therapy is, is a great breakthrough. And now we just have to figure out the rest of it. Absolutely. I mean, it's a dream, right? It's a yeah. dream to have, if you're sick, to have just one treatment and you're done. Right. And, you know, we hear all the time about the overburdened healthcare landscape right now. and what a wonderful help that is to have people who could potentially get a one-time therapeutic cure. It relieves not only the patient's suffering and improves our quality of life, not having to have routine treatments, but also it frees up space within the healthcare system for other diseases and for other needs that are obviously, as we're seeing, we're continually having issues with overburdening our healthcare network. So there's just so many wonderful outcomes beyond uh, just the patient, which is obviously the, the number one most important, but also that expands out beyond that, I think as well. You're absolutely right. And I think the pandemic was a good example to see how stressed our hospital and healthcare system is. Exactly. So I'd just like to close today. I'd like to thank you so much. It, this was so interesting. And I love hearing about 
uh, these gene therapies that are coming to fruition. We've been following these gene therapies for a long time at Cell Culture Tradition. Can't tell you how exciting it is to see them move through just a, you know kind of a, a dream and a an idea into proof of concept and clinical trials and now approval for several of these gene therapies. It's just such an exciting time. And I really thank you for coming and talking about the work that you're doing. Is there anything else you'd like to add for us today before we say goodbye? Well, thank you so much, Brandy. This was really a, a nice conversation. I just want to reiterate that we're really pleased with the progress we continue to make across our clinical and preclinical pipeline to achieve our mission of developing transformational therapy for patients in need. We also, um, you know, we have made clinical progress. Not only, I know we focused on Fabry, but uh, we also continue to make progress in our renal transplant study, sickle cell disease study. And in partnership with Pfizer, we continue to make progress in our phase three hemophilia A trial. So we're very excited about our pipeline. We also have a preclinical pipeline to address autoimmune diseases and neurological disease that is making towards the progress to the clinics. So we feel we have a rich pipeline, very excited by the encouraging data in our clinical program and um, are looking forward uh, to the future. We have a great team and culture here at Sangamo. I've been at Sangamo for 12 years and I love it. Well, that's also great to hear because I think the best work comes when people are feeling happy at work and like they're making a real contribution and the culture is good. So that's wonderful to hear. And we look forward to seeing uh, all of the other products that are coming through your pipeline as well. Thank you so much, Brandy. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To listen to other podcasts related to the discovery, development, and manufacture of biologics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com. And for downstream process topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.